Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is the Bucks Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Bucks Wire editor, Luke Easterling. Well, that was a big W over the Vikings, Luke. Your Bucks now on the verge of clinching their first playoff game since 2007. Man, that sounds like it was a long time ago. I'm sure it's felt like a long time for Bucks fans. It's pretty simple at this point. You take care of your own business, you win these games, you're in the playoffs. The Bucks have put themselves in a great spot. How do you feel about that as a Bucks fan? That, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an odd feeling, right? You're going into uh, into Christmas week, basically, with uh, a pretty simple and pretty should-be-easy road to the postseason. And again, after 13 years of nothing, uh, and again, not just nothing, but they haven't won a playoff game since they won the Super Bowl at the end of the 2002 season. I so like a, I was like an infant then, it felt like. You know, like I was so young. I was like in high school. Right. So, you know, it's definitely, definitely exciting times for the Bucks, and, and again, very, very different vibe having won that game because, you know, they'd still be in control of their own destiny to a certain extent if they had lost on Sunday. But, but man, how important was that? Coming out of the bye week, you've lost two games in a row for the first time this year. And honestly, they didn't start great. They ran five plays in that first quarter on offense and did not look great on defense either. Dalvin Cook was carving them up, and they really adjusted well and finished strong in that game. So, you know, again, they've, they're officially better than they were last year. They've got eight wins. They had seven last year. You know, a lot going for this team right now. And, again, when you look at the stretch they have now, two games against the Falcons, one against the, the, the Lions, you know, everything is in front of this team. And, again, when you look at the rest of the pack, you know, they could clinch technically this week. If, if for some reason the, the Bears and Vikings happen to tie, <laughs> the Bucks would would clinch with a win. That's probably not going to happen, obviously. But yeah, it's, it, you know, it's a fun conversation to be having this time of year, as opposed to being, you know, neck deep in mock drafts for the last month, which is usually what Bucks fans are doing. You tweeted, and I thought it was a great point. You're eight and five, and you've really only played one great four-quarter game, and that was... And they even started slow in that game against Green Bay, Luke. Yeah, that was a three-quarter game. Yeah, that was a great three-quarter. Yeah, it was. You're right. But that was, they probably only played one complete three-phase game all year that you can really say, man, they there's really nothing to nitpick too much on that. And that was that one game against Green Bay. So that's... That's kind of cool that you're that you're eight and five, and you, you hope all we can do is hope that their best football is ahead of them. No preseason, the weirdest off season slash training camp experience that any of these players have ever had. You know, a, a lot pointing towards the fact that the Bucks really haven't played their best football for four quarters at all this season, and you're still eight and five. Again, go back to those two losses; they played really badly for really long stretches of both of those games against the the Rams and the Chiefs, two of the better teams in the league, but still only lost by three to, to both of them. So this is a stretch where the Bucks can really flex their muscles a little bit and, and prove just how far separated they are from teams like the Falcons and the Lions uh, and then hopefully carry some positive momentum uh, into the postseason, you know, whoever they end up playing. Um, that's that's a good feeling to have. And again, something that really hasn't hasn't been felt in this, in this fandom uh, for, again, over a decade. So before we get into our fantasy break with the huddle.com, uh, a big name player for the Bucks. Uh, this news is just breaking within the last couple hours here, Luke. We're recording on Wednesday night here. Rojo is among a handful of Bucks players that have been placed on the COVID list. So that means we're not 100% sure if they've tested positive. I think they're probably close contacts. That's what it seems like, but it's it's hard to read between the line these days. This is what 2020 football and uh, for you being a reporter on the of the team. This is just stuff you deal with, right? So, we know Rojo 
had a uh, surgery on his pinky and another Bucks player getting a pin inserted into his finger. Uh, so Rojo had that thing done, and now we know he's on the COVID list. So it, very much in jeopardy, along with the punter, kicker, and long snapper. Uh, so this is not like – I think the Bucks should beat the crap out of the Falcons. They're a much better team, but – there's some key starters right now on the COVID list, and there's a little bit of uncertainty there. Yeah, so basically you just want to end every drive with a touchdown and a two-point conversion, <laughs> and you'll go. be fine. Yeah. No, no special teams, no kicking, no punting, just no nothing. The, just do what the Browns were doing when their idiot kicker couldn't make a field goal. They just started going for two. Yeah, I mean, you know, in all seriousness, obviously you don't want your specialists um, all wiped out. It does, you know, appear hopefully like it's just a close contact situation that they can hopefully be back in the building later this week. Um, and in terms of like repping and, and, you know, install, obviously that's the one position group that probably needs the, the least amount of work in terms of like, you know, play calling and that sort of thing, obviously. But, you know, with Rojo, it's a very different situation. Obviously, like you said, having the broken finger, he's had surgery. Bruce Arians told us today that, you know, compared to Chris Godwin's situation back in, I think, week seven it was, he had 10 pins inserted in his finger. Rojo, he said, I think he, it's no more than two, Bruce told us today. But it's also a very different position to play because at wide receiver, there's a lot of things you can do to protect yourself in certain ways. And you're also not getting contacted every play. Sure. And and for a running back, Bruce is concerned today when he's talking to us about whether or not this impacts his availability uh, is really about the fact that as a running back, it's harder to protect that area, really any area of your body because you're getting hit. Uh, from any direction on every play, basically, that you're in the game. So it's obviously, even before the COVID news, you know, it was obviously going to be up in the air whether or not Rojo played. Obviously, this throws another wrench into that. But, you know, this is why the Bucks had the offseason they did at running back. It's why they spent a third-round pick on Keyshawn Bond. It's why they signed both Leonard Fournette and LaShawn McCoy in the offseason. So, you know, we talked to Bruce about that today. He's he's very comfortable with the way that room looks. Obviously, you'd like to have the number four rusher in the NFL in the lineup. Uh, but if not, the Bucks have some guys that can kind of carry the load. I do think that they will end up throwing the ball more than they probably wanted to uh, if Rojo's not there, though. Yeah, that's, this is an interesting thing, uh, the backfield for the Bucks and how it could shape up against the Falcons. Let's pick this up on the other side. We'll be right back. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit up, start up. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from thehuddle.com. It's week 15 of the fantasy football season, and if you're listening, that likely means you have advanced in the fantasy football playoffs. I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com, here to help you with some strong plays to get you into the championship round. This one may make gamers uncomfortable, but Jalen Hurts, the quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles at the Arizona Cardinals, is a strong play. In the last seven weeks, five different quarterbacks have at least 22 fantasy points against Arizona, and three of those efforts were good for at least 26 fantasy points. The two bad games came from Cam Newton and Daniel Jones. Hurts, a rookie, made his NFL debut as a starter last week and he acquitted himself well enough. His major upside comes from his legs, but the game wasn't too big for him in last week's debut. That said, he's best to use in two quarterback setups. Running back Jeff Wilson Jr. at the Dallas Cowboys. The 49ers may be without Raheem Mostert once again with another ankle injury. And Wilson is the likeliest place to turn for the offense that is struggling for a spark after poor quarterback play and the loss of Debo Samuel. Only Houston has allowed more rushing yards per game in 2020 and the position has scored 13 times on the ground versus Dallas. 
does. Wilson may struggle to matter without finding the end zone, so understand there is a little bit of a gamble here. Wide receiver Keelan Cole of the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore has given up four touchdowns in his past three outings, and the positional defense has been relatively soft in that time. It ranks 39% easier to exploit than the league average, and nine receivers have at least 10 PPR points against the Ravens in the last four games. Don't be scared off by the name brand of the matchup. Cole benefits from having Gardner Minshew back in the lineup and offers utility as a wide receiver three or a flex in PPR setups. Irv Smith Jr., the Minnesota Vikings versus the Chicago Bears. Prior to missing a few games with various injuries, Smith has flashed a few times, going for 10 points or more in three of the four appearances before getting hurt. He returned in week 11, only to get injured for two more weeks. Then he came back for a line of 4-63-1 against Tampa Bay last week. The Bears are the second weakest defense in the last five weeks at controlling tight ends, and if Kyle Rudolph sits one more time, Smith is a strong play for a touchdown in this divisional matchup. For more fantasy football news, tips, and advice, be sure to check out thehuddle.com. So the Rojo news kind of breaking today, Luke, kind of throws, it makes this whole thing even more interesting. The, the Leonard Fournette situation, he ends up being a healthy scratch, like a late healthy scratch, right? Against the Vikings that everyone's on social media speculating what's going on with Fournette. Is he in the doghouse with Bruce Arians? Uh, is he not producing enough? Has he slipped behind LaShawn McCoy in the pecking order? I know he's been giving up uh, carries to him. What has Bruce said about Fournette? Why was he a scratch in the Vikings game? And if Rojo can't play, will we see Fournette back in the lineup? I, I, you would think that it would force him back in there, right? Or would we see more of McCoy and Keyshawn Vaughn? Yeah, we, you know, we asked Bruce that point blank today, how that situation would, would come together. And he made it clear that Leonard would obviously be back in the lineup. You know, it, what it looked like Sunday basically came down to Tom Brady going to Bruce and saying, hey, get Shady in there. We want to see him in the game. We think he needs more of an opportunity to shine. And honestly, McCoy balled out on Sunday. He didn't get many touches, but I think he carried the ball four times for 32 yards, averaged eight yards a carry, had a, a big one where he got to the edge and, and turned the corner and made a big run and was obviously pretty hyped up about it. You can see him on the sideline basically saying, hey, Hey, I can still do this. You know, I'm, I'm still a big play guy. Made a, a catch uh, and got close to a first down on, on one play, broke a couple tackles. So Bruce made it clear, like, listen, Leonard's a, a pro. He understands, hey, we wanted to have a different look. We wanted to give, you know, Shady and, and Sneak Sneak Vaughn an opportunity to to show some things on, on Sunday. And they did that. But now, obviously, if his number's called, you have to step in, not take it personally and get get the job done basically so Bruce isn't concerned at all again there is some of a somewhat of a drop-off because you know Rojo is their lead guy for a reason but Bruce has told us with a bunch of different guys you know you're going to see different things in different weeks in terms of personnel and usage because the opponent dictates certain things and the game plan is obviously going to look different and that can change the roles for certain guys and I think that was part of it as well last week obviously if Rojo's not in the lineup you're going to see those touches and those carries distributed pretty evenly I think among those three other guys, though. This is not a thing where Fournette is in the doghouse. His career is in jeopardy. I'm seeing all these kind of, maybe that's hyperbole. I'm seeing all this kind of stuff out there, Luke. Uh, you know, so I, and I was researching Fournette. It's hard to believe. Wasn't that long ago he was the number four overall pick. He, that was just 2017. So for people to speculate that his career could be in jeopardy now. He's only, he's gonna, what, 25, right? Yeah, I mean, he's, yeah. not, he's, he's fine. He's yeah. fine. And you haven't seen anything with him on the field that would make you think like he's slipping in the pecking order or that the Bucks are losing faith in him. You think it was a Coach Brady uh, game plan thing? 
I think that's part of it. But honestly, if, if you do look at the last few times Leonard has been in there, he really hasn't played that great. He's dropped a lot of passes. And yep. again, this is a guy who most of his role has been, hey, he can be the third down guy. He can, you know, pass protect. He can make plays out of the backfield. He hasn't been doing it. And as a runner, he hasn't been doing much either. I think he's averaging around three yards a carry when he's been in the game the last few times. So, you know, they wanted a spark. Shady gave them that. Um, Fournette will obviously kind of be forced back into action. But I think the other side to that coin, if you're going to speculate anything, is Leonard Fournette's on a one-year deal with the Bucks, And I think that if nothing really changes, and again, this would be a good opportunity for him to show otherwise, but just wouldn't surprise me for him to end up getting an opportunity elsewhere next offseason. I don't know that the Bucks, again, with the amount of money they're not going to have to be able to sign guys, wouldn't be surprised for him to, to find more money and a better opportunity elsewhere next year. For that other Florida team, the Jacksonville Jaguars taking Fournette number four overall. I don't know if you remember. I, I was doing some, I was Googling Fournette a little bit, doing some background on him, just refreshing myself. Picked before Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Jamal Adams, Christian McCaffrey. Oh, poor, poor Jacksonville. Don't do that. Poor, don't do that to those poor, poor fans. Poor Jacksonville. So. Oh, man. I, I had to do it, Luke. I had to go there. That's such hey, an hey these are, Jaguars fans are still still can't get over taking a punter ahead of Russell Wilson. So just don't, <laughs> don't pour salt in that one. Oh, man. That is that is salty right there. There's no doubt about it. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so if the Bucks do end up throwing the football a little bit more in this one, Luke, and I could, I could definitely see that. And, and why not? You have all these receivers. You might as well throw them the ball, right? You can, you're just loaded at receiver. And one of those guys is Scotty Miller, who caught a nice long touchdown pass. He really helped get the Bucks rolling in that game, didn't he? That was a big play. And I saw you kind of advocating on Twitter, being like, maybe we should give this guy a little bit, you know, a few more snaps than a handful. Uh, so what do you think about that is – could we see more Scotty Miller if, if the Bucks do go to a more pass-heavy approach if Rojo can go? Yeah, I mean, that was, you know, this goes back to the week before. You know, I had written something that kind of ruffled a lot of feathers about why Antonio Brown has not just not made the Bucks' offense better, but he's actually made it worse because yeah. he's taking a lot of those snaps away from Scotty Miller, and he's not giving them any, you know, a whole lot to show for it compared to what Miller has been doing. Miller's averaging over 15 yards a catch, by far the, mo- the best on the team. Uh, Antonio Brown's averaging eight yards a catch and continues to get more snaps and more opportunities. Scotty Miller had five snaps all game on Sunday. He had one catch for 48 yards and a touchdown. Antonio Brown had five catches for 49 yards. So, like, I, I just don't, you know, and honestly, I asked Bruce this today because I wanted to know it. You know, what what does a guy like Scotty Miller have to do to get on the field more often when every time he is on the field, he shows you not just what he can do, but he brings an element to the offense that nobody else on that roster can bring. Mike Evans is big, physical, you know, wins at the catch point. Those 50-50 balls in the red zone, that's his game. Chris Godwin is kind of the, the Swiss Army knife. He can he can block really well. He can be in the slot. He can make those tough catches over the middle. He's a great route runner. He's faster than people give him credit for, but not track speed, not you know Scotty Miller's kind of speed. Antonio Brown, at this point in his career, he's 32. He's obviously more of a possession receiver now. That's you know been proven by the fact that, like I said, he's averaging less than nine yards a catch. There's nobody on the roster that can do what Scotty Miller does. And again, he's not as complete a receiver as any of those other guys, but he has that trump card with that elite speed. And again, he showed it off on that play. With, with the long touchdown, and I just don't – I tried to get Bruce to kind of take the bait and say, hey, you know, I feel like there's an element to this offense that's missing when he's not on the field. You know, what what does he have to do to get there? And obviously, he, you know, he talked about how, like I said earlier, different game plans, different roles for players. And obviously, the Bucks didn't run a lot of offensive plays. I think they had less than 50 uh, because the defense was on the field for so long, and they also had some quick strike 
uh, drive. So they didn't really have a lot of snaps to work with. But I still think a guy like Scotty Miller, when he's not on the field and you have three receivers on the field in Evans, Godwin, and Brown that kind of do different versions of the same thing and none of them really has that ability to stretch the defense and take the top off and you're leaving a guy like Miller on the sideline, I just feel like you're you're helping the opposing defense. You're doing their job for them by taking away a weapon that they don't have to worry about. Yeah, who, who'd you ruffle with that AB piece, uh, Luke? Was it the Bucks fans? Uh, I think it was just AB Twitter. I, yeah. I think I, I, think yeah. I just Pro kicked AB the Twitter. hive on yeah. that. Nobody really wanted to think about the fact that you know scotty miller who no one no general ab twitter probably has no idea who scotty miller is if you're outside the tampa area he's yeah. a 24 year old sixth round pick out of bowling green for god's sake so like <laughs> i get it you don't know who that is but look at the numbers look at what's actually happening in reality take this whole like ab is a future hall of famer yes he's one of the most productive receivers of his generation all of that that's great what is he now what is he to this bucks offense and what is his presence doing when it removes a player like Scotty Miller, who, again, is the best deep threat, the best big play guy on this offense, what have you done for me lately? What can you do for this offense now? And I just feel like A.B. is getting more opportunities because that's his name and that's who he has been. But really, when it comes to bang for your buck, and yes, the pun is completely intended, <laughs> Scotty Miller gives you more and brings an element to that offense that opposing defenses have to respect that doesn't have to happen when he's off the field. All right. So how seriously should we take these Falcons? This is a weird opponent, Luke, a weird one. And Tom Brady's getting his first introduction to the Tampa Bay Atlanta thing in the NFC South. Let's dive into that one coming up next. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of Sportsbook Wire and Bet Slippin' Podcast. I'm joined by my colleague Jeff Clark to break down all you need to know to bet on the Week 15 Monday Night Football game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and Cincinnati Bengals. The Steelers come in as 12-point favorites on the road, minus 110 odds to win by at least 13 points. Jeff, how does Cincinnati and the Bengals cover this 12-point spread at home? Well, Pittsburgh is very one-dimensional right now. Their running game has fallen off the cliff, and even their wide receivers have been dropping balls. So give me the double digits at home with a division opponent. Also, this could be a quintessential look-ahead spot for Pittsburgh, who's got Indy and Cleveland coming up. They've had tough games leading into this. Steelers, well-coached team with Mike Tomlin, lost two games in a row. They need to get back on track. No better spot to do it than against a Bengals team. They beat 36-10. to 10 in week 10 give me the Steelers minus 12 they win by two scores Luke I'm hoping you can help me because I have no idea how to figure out the Atlanta Falcons right they're a team that probably should have a better record than they do they got four wins but they just don't know how to they don't know how to finish out any kind of win we've seen them in recent weeks blow out uh, a team in Vegas that thought it was a playoff contender I guess <laughs> I guess we're finding out what what that team really is now but they blow out the Raiders by like 30 something points then they play the Saints really tough and then they go and lose to a bad Chargers team last week so it's like you'd never know what you're going to get with the Falcons they have the talent to blow you out but they're so stupid with their coaching and they just don't know how to win that they could lose any game as well. They could blow any lead. It's really kind of a sketchy team to be facing when you're in the thick of a playoff hunt, right? I mean, what do you think about this matchup? 
Yeah, and and anytime it's a division game, you can you can throw the records out to a certain extent too. It, yep, it's, totally. it's very tough to read that, especially on the road. You know, you're playing in a dome. I don't know what the fan situation is like in in Georgia with their state laws. I don't know if they have fans in there, honestly, at all. It, there's a lot of different elements to this. At the end of the day, if I'm the Bucks, that's why it's important to have your own identity. That no matter what the other team is doing or brings to the table, we are confident in doing X, Y, and Z in all you know in all three phases, both sides of the ball. We're going to execute these things and do them at a at a, a high level. And no matter what the other team is going to do, we are confident in doing that. I think the biggest thing for the pro- the biggest problem for the Bucks is particularly on offense. What is that identity? And Bruce, you know, was pretty emphatic after the game on Sunday. He said, you know, our di- identity is that we can do any damn thing we want to. And I think a lot of people laughed at that because I can you, Bruce? Though, <laughs> yeah, I was. Can- yeah. I was laughing. Is that, is that really what you're doing? Because we haven't seen that consistently all year. And that was kind of funny to hear that because nobody really feels that way, I think, outside of that building. And again, not that that necessarily matters as long as you're confident in it and can back it up with execution. But we've got to see more consistency in that department before we can really believe that. I don't know about you, but like what I can say about the Falcons is this. Raheem Morris, who, again, was the head coach for the Bucks for a few seasons, probably should get, you know, definitely should get another chance to do it. I think he would be much more successful this time around with the experience he's had as a coordinator in the league. Uh, and that team's playing with, with some more fire under him now. I, I think they're playing a little bit differently, particularly on defense. They're changing some things up, running a little bit more of a complex scheme. Their problem is they, they are great against the run, and they just can't rush the passer. They, they, you know, they have some good interior presence. Grady Jarrett's obviously one of the better interior guys in the league, but they don't have anybody that can threaten off the edge with any consistency. That's why I think that you'll you'll see the Bucks open it up a little bit. They probably want to throw a bit more anyway, especially if Rojo's not in the lineup. But because that pass rush is just not great, the defense is great against the run, and they have those weapons to expose a secondary that's been you know banged up all season, missing some of their better guys at times. Deion Jones is one of the more athletic linebackers in the league, so you want to try to keep the ball away from him. But you got to get after you got to get after Matt Ryan. The stopping the runs, the thing the Bucks have done best on defense all year. I think if they can do that and limit Todd Gurley and pin their ears back and keep the Falcons in some third and longs, um, you know Julio Jones has been banged up. I know he didn't practice on Wednesday. Um, if they're forced to just go with Calvin Ridley and whoever else, I know they've got some other speed guys there, but nobody who can obviously do what, what Julio can do. You know, Matt Ryan's a, a, a very productive quarterback, has been for a long time, but he can't do it all himself. And at this point, when you know, in his career, when you put everything on his shoulders, he just doesn't have it. He, he can't, you know, carry a team to victory like he may have been able to do earlier in his career. So I, I think, again, on paper, the Bucks should win this handily. But when it's when it's a division game, when it's on the road, and again in 2020, any you know, all bets are off. It, 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 the Bucks can't afford to look past this one. I redid my predictions for the rest of the season during the bye week. I had the Bucks winning uh, against the Vikings, and I had them losing this game because if I if there's any trap on the rest of the schedule, if there's a trap game, I think this is it. You're coming off a bye week and an emotional win where you you kind of delivered in a lot of ways at home against Minnesota. You got to be careful. You got to test. This is going to test their mental toughness going on the road after a big win against the team you absolutely should beat. They're going to have to deliver. I agree with you. I think on paper it feels like they should be able to bottle this team up on defense and. You were just mentioning how they can't rush the passer. That's not a good recipe against Tom Brady. If you can't get pressure on Brady, you're cooked. So it feels like it's a good matchup. So that's exactly why they might struggle. That's just kind of how the NFL tends to work. But the Bucks are favored by five and a half. Like you said, a game they should win, but we'll see. You never know in this. That's why Bucks league. fans are worried. Anytime everything points toward we should win this game, Bucks fans get nervous. Yeah. So and until, with good reason. Until, <laughs> until they go ahead and clinch that thing. 
you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to help yourself. It's been a long time. You like you said, thirteen freaking years. It's a long time. Like Tom Brady was going sixteen to zero with the Patriots in two thousand seven, the last time the Bucks were in the playoffs. So that's where we're at. But I think at this point, Luke, you just sit back and enjoy it, man. The Bucks are. We're, we're getting into that time of the year where the games, they start playing on Saturdays now. We start having football Saturday, Sunday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. You know, it's one of those things. And even with COVID, we might have even some Tuesday, Wednesday games. You never know. But it's that kind of fun time of year around Christmas. The Bucks are playing big games, playoff implications. Sit back and enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, a fun time of year for a lot of different reasons. And for sports, you know, you look at the college game, you've got conference championships and bowl games and, and the playoff push. And obviously the NFL, you know, these last three weeks are going to say a lot. If you're in the playoff hunt, it's obviously big. At the end of the, you know, the other end of the spectrum, if you're a Jets fan and you're a Jaguars fan, a Bengals fan, you're obviously fighting for that number one pick with some top prospects, you know, in the mix there. It's it's going to be an entertaining few weeks. And again, for Bucks fans, it's just fun to be in this conversation at this time of year, as opposed to, like we said earlier, talking more about the draft for the last month or two, which is usually what's happening right now. That's Luke Easterling. Join us next week on the Bucks Wire podcast. We'll talk to you then. This USA Today sports podcast has been presented by USA Today's sports media group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini and the Huddle podcast inside the weekly line with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren and the Bet Slippin' podcast. We'll see you again next week.